most women underestimate how many times you have to show up to get clients, how often people have to see and hear you and hear about what you do before they will buy from you. And because we underestimate that, we often don't show up enough or we show up for a period of time and think, well, it should have happened by now. And that's what I think leads a lot of people to go down the rabbit hole. Hey, I'm Shauna. I'm a business mentor and leadership coach. After years of working with leaders and professionals, the one thing I can say is I do not have all the answers. And guess what? I'm okay with that. This podcast is dedicated to having the conversations with the people who have been where you are or have the expertise that will help you to streamline, simplify, and take the guesswork out of growing and scaling your business. Each week, we will dive into guest interviews, tips, trends, and strategies that will help you to cut through the fluff. So if you are ready to take your business to the next level, stick around. This is the Scale to Grow podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Scale to Grow podcast. I'm very excited for this episode because I have with me Michelle Vroom, who is a business coach with over 15 years of experience in marketing and PR, working with non-for-profit agencies and big corporations. And the reason why I'm excited about this is because Michelle was one of the very few voices in the online space when I got started that I actually resonated with. She's very practical and she definitely practices what she teaches in terms of her approach. So Michelle focuses on helping small business owners to grow to six figures with more freedom and peace. She shares her proven methods for visibility and relationship building to get clients and to grow your business. So Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Shauna. I'm excited. Okay. So tell us about you and what you do and how you got started. Lots of questions. Yeah, well, you gave me a great intro. So thank you. I started my business almost seven years ago. I'm actually coming up on my seventh anniversary in about two months at the time of recording this, which is really exciting. And I started my business um, really almost out of necessity. I, you know, prior to having my first child worked in, as you mentioned in my bio, you know, nonprofit, agency, corporate, always in marketing, always in communications, right? That's a skill set that, you know, I, I, it comes naturally to me, but I've also had to develop. And so I always saw myself just as somebody that would like be a higher up a corporate. There, there was a little bit of a, an interest in freelancing, as I called it. But I don't think I saw it being what it is now, right? Like, I don't think I envisioned I'm going to run my own business. If anything, I thought this will happen when I'm in my 50s and the kids are out of the house or whatever. You know, at the time I had no children. So it was like my future children. It wasn't until I had my oldest son, I have three boys at home, my oldest son, that I, everything shifted. My entire identity shifted you know, what I wanted out of life shifted. And I didn't want to keep commuting in and out of the city, you know, to my corporate job, I wanted to be home with my son and have that flexibility. But at the same time, I still wanted a career. And so I felt like, you know, starting my own business to becoming a freelancer is the best way to do that. Um, I remember following somebody in my circle who had become a freelancer as well. And I was like following her journey and just loved the freedom and all of that. And so when, you know, what what ended up happening is while I was on maternity leave with my son, learning how to be a new mom, all of these people were coming to me. When I say people, they were people who were connected through family and friends, right? And so they were coming to me for social media help. 
for marketing help. It's these small businesses who had no idea what they were doing on social. And so I saw a need and thought, well, goodness, there's something here. Either I wait to pursue this or I do it now. And I never want to look back with regrets. And so what ended up happening is I went back to work for a month and then left my, my cushy corporate career where I was the breadwinner and went out on my own. I actually had my husband record an interview for my podcast um, earlier this week where he shared kind of his reaction to all of that and, and how he processed it. But essentially, we both agreed like this is what, you know, he knew I was determined. He knew I wanted it. And he knew I wasn't going to keep going and would never fail because I was never going to stop. Doesn't mean it wasn't scary. It doesn't mean it was like, oh my gosh, holy crap, what did I just do? I started my own business. But honestly, my business has brought me things that I never would have imagined over the last seven years. And so that I think is why there's such a passion on my heart to really help women in business step into the role of a provider. And I think when you grow to your first six figures, like that's when it's like, man, I am providing for my family, right? I'm bringing in consistent revenue. And that is something that I believe every woman should have. Because I've seen what's possible when you have that. And so I think that's like my bigger mission, even bigger than any offer or anything that I could put out there. But it all started as a result of my journey. I'm so glad that you touched on those key pieces. There's so much to unpack. Because from, you know, just having the conversation with your spouse about what's changing and what's going to be different moving forward. That's a tough one. This kind of leads me into kind of What do you think are some of the misconceptions people have when it comes to like just going out there and getting started and then from getting started into monetizing to actually make the money? I don't know that I would say that a misconception is that they think it's easy because I don't think any of us really does believe it's easy, but they act like it, right? Like I think we have expectations about how quickly things should happen and being in marketing what I know to be true, and I've seen this with pretty much every client I've served, is that most women underestimate how many times you have to show up to get clients, how often people have to see and hear you and hear about what you do before they will buy from you. And because we underestimate that, we often don't show up enough or we show up for a period of time and think, well, it should have happened by now. And that's what I think leads a lot of people to go down the rabbit hole of strategy after strategy after strategy, right? Trying to find the next shiny object. So I would say that's the biggest piece is just the expectations as to how quickly things should happen. And I think we're always looking at what other people share and other people's success stories. It's great to share success stories, but I always like to share the context of, hey, like this is how long it took me or hey, this is what I encountered. Because you don't just start a business and have all the clients beating down your door. It takes a lot longer than I think most people realize. And I want to normalize that because I think if we know, okay, I have the expectation that this is going to take X amount of time, or I know that this is going to take probably longer than I think, it calms you down a little bit. You're not like freaking out internally thinking I've done something wrong or I've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going down the wrong path, which I think is a horrifying thought to a business owner. So, <laughs> No, that's so true. So how do you market effectively then? Because I think it all comes down to, so there's, you know, you're setting the expectation that, hey, this is not going to be, you know, like a one and done. You need consistency. But you also need the expectations that the expectations to be set that it's also not going to be right out the door. There's a lot more to this than just, you know, what you think is going to happen. So how do you market effectively knowing all this? Yeah, I know. 
The advice varies depending on what stage of business you're at. But I think what I'm about to say is something that everybody at every stage can take away from. Like what is marketing, right? When people tell me they're not good at marketing or they're not good at sales or they hate marketing or they hate sales, what I know they're saying is I hate the definition of what I think it is, right? Like I, I think the definition that a lot of people think marketing and sales is, is just pushing people, convincing people to sign on. And that doesn't feel good, right? If you're, if you're a woman of integrity. And so I think that starts honestly with backing up and just redefining what marketing is. Marketing is the act of just building relationships with people who may or may not buy from you. Like, let's just lay that out on the table. And what, how do we build relationships, right? How does anybody build a good, solid relationship in their life, business or otherwise? You do it by focusing more on what the other person needs and thinking less of yourself. Relationship building is all about how you see yourself in relation to the other person. And what I see most women doing, because I think in some cases, they think that this is the way to market and sell, or this is something they saw other people doing is like they push, 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 like buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. Mm -hmm. And there's very little serving actually happening, right? There's very little actual relationship building happening. And so the first piece I'd say is serve without strings attached. It's so counterintuitive. Everybody tells you don't give away too much. If you give away too much, people won't work with you. And I think that is just such a like mode of thinking that is rooted in scarcity, right? And the fact that there aren't enough intelligent clients out there who will buy from you, right? I like to think the best of everyone. And for me, it always feels better to serve, whether that be answering questions in a Facebook group, right? Which is a big part of how I signed my very first couple of clients online is I showed up in Facebook groups for 60 minutes a day and answered questions, talked to people, invited them to learn more, shared resources. I wasn't trying to just go in and get a client. And that's actually in turn what led to people taking notice following me, seeing what I'm all about and wanting to learn more about what it's like to work with me. And so I wanted to share that, you know, that looks different at every stage, like how you do that. And we'll talk, I know about relationship building and community building, but essentially I think we have to redefine what marketing and sales is because a lot of people have a definition that is very forceful and adds a lot of pressure. And I just don't think you can market and sell and land clients when you are under pressure like that. A hundred percent. So so no, so okay, so building off that piece, yeah. when we're talking about marketing and the relationship building piece, what's what's key to that? What's what's the important pieces to build in a relationship that people can feel comfortable enough that they can go out there and say, Well, let me let me define what my offer is and share it with them. Because yeah. I think that's 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 a huge part of where I think, you know, I, I get that. Yes, show up and serve. But relationships, even if you show up and serve, there's still a component of building that connection, right? Absolutely. I think it's number one, recognizing that the show up and service part often feels like it takes the longest because you are, you know, like people run through different filters in their brains when they decide to work with someone. It's like, do I need this? Am I struggling with this problem? Do I like this person? Do I think that they can help me? Like there's so many unspoken questions. And so when you are showing up and giving freely, right? And for me, again, that looked like networking in other groups, going live in my own group and just like giving value and then inviting people to work with me. I knew that I needed to do it over and over and over again because people need to see and hear things 10 to 12 different times. And so when it comes to the relationship piece, yes, there is an element where we do need to tell people what we do. But if we've laid the groundwork where it's like, I'm focused on, on helping this person understand why they're having the problem that they're having and what you know how to even solve it, like those two things are very powerful. A lot of people think you just need to throw how-to stuff at people, like tell them the steps to take. No, actually, you need to help people understand 
why they're having the problem and how to solve it. And when you can do those two things, then it feels like they're almost going to ask you before you even say anything about your offer. It feels more natural to sell, to talk about what you do. And again, sales is a conversation, right? It's a conversation like, can I help you? What do you need help with? Let's talk through your options. Like I always say, sales should be like you're sitting down, you know, at your kitchen table with a glass of wine with your best friend talking about a decision that they want to make. And like, how would you support them through that? So I think when you can approach it again with the relationship and with the other person as being the priority over your own needs, that is so powerful. And, you know, I get that that's hard sometimes, especially if you're not getting the clients that you want or you're going through a dry spell in business. But it's like, what do you need to think to go back to? Like, how can I just serve? How can I get back into that place of excitement that I have when I'm talking about a topic that I'm passionate about? And that's what it gets to look like. I love it. And and this is where I, I think I'm now reflecting back on even my own journey. And I think about because a lot of it is meeting people where they are, number one, and kind of understanding what exactly can you do to support them. And then from those conversations, this is where things when you've now created that relationship and that trust, like the monetization process of it, what are your thoughts around kind of like doing it at a scale or, or doing it in mass monetization versus like that build in like the individual breadcrumbs of connection? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think it starts as individual breadcrumbs. Like when we start our business, it's like, we just need to get some clients. And so a lot of that's going to be personal, um, you know, relationships that were already built before you started the business, then I think you move into a stage where you start tapping into building relationships online. And that's when it becomes important to create a community. So I liken it as, you know, let's say, I guess door to door salespeople still exist. I'm not sure. But let's say a door to door salesperson is walking through a busy neighborhood and going just door to door to door like pitching, right? It's gonna take them a lot longer. Whereas let's say he happens upon a massive house party where all the neighbors are gathered and everybody wants to hear more about what he has to offer. Like how much time did that save him from going individually? That's what it looks like to create a community. For me, that's been my Facebook group. It's not the only way to create community. I think it's one of the most effective ways to create community. It could look like having an email list, like something that allows you to get your message out to multiple people at once is where I think a lot of people, not, not a lot of people, everybody needs to go eventually, right? And then from there, it's like, okay, then I scale it by either you know, adding a one to many program, like a group program or something that I can sell again in volume. My strategy, this is why the strategy that I teach my clients is so effective, because we use what we call destination events. So it could be like a live challenge or workshop or something where once you've created that community, you can actually sell and and build relationships with multiple people at once, which is how you scale. And so you're going to go through different phases of this and different iterations of this. But Building a community is so effective. That's how you get the consistency, right? Because at any given time in that community, you have people who are ready to buy from you now, right? That's why we host those events because those are a great way to get you know the people who are ready to buy now raising their hand and saying, yes, I'm ready. And then you also have people who aren't ready yet, but will be. And you're building the relationship with them too. So you're not like... like So at any given moment, you're selling to people who are buying and you're warming up people who will buy on the next round. And that's how you get consistency. It's just like moves in a cycle. A lot of people pull back. They either don't build the community or they pull back from showing up because maybe they have their own thoughts about it or it feels like it's not working or I'm not seeing the results that I want. And they actually create less momentum and less consistency in their business, which is harder to scale. So for the people that come in and say, look, this isn't, this isn't aligned with me. I don't want to build a community. I just want to 
do the thing, sell the product, talk to a few people, show up online consistently. Is there a right or wrong way to approach kind of the community aspect if they don't want to go? Because I know you said there's different ways, but is there like if someone says, that's not what I want to do, I don't want to do a community outside of... I think at that point, um, you know, I think we're all in community. Like if someone's, you know, go visiting your sales page or downloading something or buying a product, like even if it's a small product, like that's a person that's in your community to some degree. So I think at the very least, everybody needs an email email list, like to not have one, I think you're making it harder on yourself. So I would question like, what's your definition of community? Because I think there are so many ways to define it. But I would say like, in that case, you know, it really depends on what you're selling, right? If you're selling an offer where people can buy off the sales page, then maybe you have some kind of a pre-recorded webinar or workshop or something that teaches and shows like what your offer is all about and then leads them into the sales page where they can buy directly. So at that point, I think it's about also having an offer that does not require people to hop on a sales call individually with you. Like if you have a higher ticket offer where people are going to be spending 5,000, 10,000 or more, like to say that you don't want to talk to them really as part of the process, I don't think that's realistic. I think that if you want to scale, you have to look at the offer as well when you're making the decision to do that. Like the marketing journey needs to match the offer too, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And that, that's why I was asking that question because yeah. I want to make sure that, you know, even though folks might say, yes, she said, I don't have to do a community. There are other ways that you need to do it because in order to get out to the masses, it really does require... You need an audience of some kind. Like what is a community? A community is people that you sell to. If you want to, if you want to make sales, you need that. You can't say you you can't have one. Like that's like expecting people to just find you out of thin air, and that's an expectation that just, as we said at the beginning, does not like it doesn't hold up. Do you know what I mean? So if you want to scale, like I actually think you need to pour more of your resources into community and audience building, so that you have more people to sell to. Even if you're selling directly off the sales page, right? Like that's more volume, more people coming to the page, more people buying. Like that's how mm-hmm. you scale. And you don't necessarily need to have all of your time, like individual time poured into that. Like I said, you could set up a funnel of some kind that really positions you as the go-to expert and leads people into that purchase. Yeah. And I think one of the key things that you mentioned earlier is depending on what stage of business you are, you might be the person doing all of this, or you might be able to have a team that's going to be able to take a lot of the brunt work off of you or to support some of the heavy lifting. Because I've I've gotten the, I don't like to do it because I'm an introvert or I don't like to do it because I, I don't like people like that, but I I do want them to buy, but I don't want to be constantly having to sell. Can I say something about that though? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I don't think relationship building is a personality trait. If you're introverted, I have many clients who are introverted, like you can still build relationships. It just may look different. You can still build a community. It just may look different. Like I think we have to, I think a lot of people think, well, oh, like community is for people who are over here, who are more extroverted or relationships are for people over here. What if it's not a personality trait? Like what if it's something you get to decide, right? Like we all have to be in community and build relationships with people. Like that's just business. That's just the way that it is. Now you don't need to constantly show up. I don't think anybody, even with a community needs to constantly show up. In fact, I think the people who feel like they have to are the people who don't have people to sell to. And so it feels like I have to constantly show up versus how can you look at it as relationship building your way, community your way, right? Like it's all a skill that like I think anybody can learn regardless of your own personality trait. 
And I think I don't want to ever put somebody in a box and be like, oh, well, you're you're this. So like, this is the, the path for you, right? I think we all have the ability to build relationships and build community. I think it starts with what do I not even I honestly think it goes bigger than your offer. It's what do I want my mission to be in my business? Like, how do I want to relate to people, right? Like this is getting into some of the branding piece. But what do I want the experience of people who are who are connected to me, right, as potential buyers and buyers? What do I want their experience to look like? How do I tend to naturally build relationships in the in the real world offline, right? Like I think those are the questions that we need to be asking because then we're going to know how to how to do this in a way that suits how you want to operate your business. I think that's the bigger piece that I would, you know, challenge your your listeners to think about. I love it. No, because you're leaving no room for excuses, which I love. Yeah. So that's that's absolutely wonderful because this is where the question will come up then, where do you monetize the most? Mm-hmm. And do you rely on social media or do you use a variety of systems? I mean, everyone can give you a different answer, right? For me, I majority of my clients and leads come from my Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because I designed it that way. So I want to be clear that like anything has the potential to work if you design it that way. It doesn't just happen, right? When I say designed it, meaning every place that you can find me will send you to my Facebook group. Like I designed it as part of my funnel so that if you find me on my podcast or you find me on Instagram, you're going to like, I'm not trying to sell to you in those places. I'm actually pushing you toward my community, toward my group, right? So all roads lead to my group because then I know... To me, a group allows me to have a safe place to build those relationships. Like it actually feels very safe for me. I can, I have more control because I'm letting, I'm choosing who I let into my community. I'm choosing what I say, like all of that. And so I designed it that way, right? As soon as they join my group, they also get added to my email list. So those two to me kind of go hand in hand. That's why I make the most sales from those two places. And so I think it's all about how you want to design the journey, right? For me, like I wanted them to be able to learn more about my coaching style and learn more about my approach before they bought. I knew that that was an important piece. And so I get to do that in my group. I can go live to hundreds of people at once versus me having to tell everybody individually about who I am as a coach. You'll find other people who have maybe more automated kind of hands-off type funnels, right? And that works for them. That works for kind of their, their approach and their strategy. I think the very least, even if you do a hands-off automated funnel, you need to get the visibility and awareness for people to even come across you, right? Mm-hmm. Give them some kind of value. Again, that can be done through a lead magnet, a workshop, whatever. It could all be recorded and set up. But giving them some kind of value, I think, needs to happen versus just selling mm-hmm. them right out of the gate, depending on if they're colder people. And then mm-hmm. once you've given them that value, right? Talking about their problem in a way that they understand, that shows them that you know how to solve it. And then giving them an opportunity to buy. And that doesn't have to be through a sales call. So I think regardless of what option you choose, like those are the core elements of building a relationship online. And it has nothing to do with whether you're introverted or extroverted. I'm pulling everything that you're saying now together. Because one of the things is you pretty much have to design your own adventure in terms of where you want people to go. Like the choose your own adventure stories. I think it, did you, I don't know if you ever read Nancy Drew books. Like, it's like, I I think there were a couple of books where she had like alternate endings or like choose your own ending. That's exactly what I'm, I love the choose your own adventure. Like, I think that's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Cause I, I think that's, that's the important part. So it doesn't matter kind of where you pull your audience together. You just have to choose and design it. That works for you based on personality versus based on preferences. As long as you bring them there, 
and you choose how you want to build a relationship. Yeah, because think about it this way, right? If you just, let's say you just run ads to a paid offer, okay? Like a mm-hmm. paid offer. The people that don't buy, where do they go? You have no way of tracking them. Sure. You have no way of c- continuing to build. Like some people are not going to be ready yet, but don't we want to talk to and stay top of mind for the people who aren't ready yet? That's what leads to consistency and less hustle. And that's a thousand percent what everybody needs to be doing and, and how everybody needs to be thinking is we don't just want to talk to the people who are ready to buy. When yeah. it comes to both. And we need a way to build relationships with both. Yeah, that's, and then you'll never be at a loss for clients. Thinking about that and just thinking about even just audience type, what happens when you tap out your existing audience? Because it happens where you send them all the offers. They've kind of, well, I wouldn't say majority, but they've seen it been through it like what do you do when you feel like you've tapped out of your audience that they're not going to buy anymore i mean i don't think you can ever tap out of your audience if you're continually growing Mm. right the only way i mean and even then i think it takes a while to tap out your audience if you're not growing but let's just say you do like you've you've exhausted them like they're you you haven't you haven't been tracking your leads so like there's a bunch of just stale people Mm-hmm. That can only happen if you are not committed to continuing to grow and get in front of more people. You have to have both, right? There has to be the grow, the nurture, and the convert. And so actually, I have a method that I teach my clients. It's called the GPS method. So your GPS to finding clients. And it, it has three stages. Grow is the G, right? So you, you need to be growing your audience, whatever that is, with more with, with fresh people. You need to be getting in front of fresh people. Not because they're all going to buy right away, but because you want to be building those relationships and selling to the warm people. And so you need to grow. The P is pre-sell. And what I mean by that is create demand for your offer before you sell it by just building the relationship in all the ways that we talked about, right? And that could look like sending them an email with a tip or a trend or something that you're noticing, like continuing to stay top of mind. That's what I mean by pre-sell. Very few people do this. That's why they, they have inconsistent clients. And then the last part, of course, is sell. But sell in the way that we talked about, right? Because if you've done all the other things, if you've grown and gotten in front of the right people, not just any people, the right people, and you're building a relationship with them, you're serving without strings attached. And if you've done that, selling is actually going to feel really easy to you because those people are going to be ready to buy. I remember I had somebody come on a sales call with me. And at the very end, when I went through everything, she was like, I've just been waiting to take out my credit card this whole time. <laughs> I was like, oh. Well, gosh, you know, so like, that's a memory I have. It doesn't mean that every call is like that. I want to be real about that. But that's a memory I had of just when I knew like, wow, this is really like interesting, right? How this approach is changing the way that I have sales conversations. And so that's the same strategy that I teach my clients. We use the destination event process to actually touch on all three of those things. Because let's say you host a live workshop or something that you want to do, right? You can use that to get in front of the right people to grow, right? Your community, because everybody who signs up, you've got their email, like you know who they are, right? That workshop itself is going to pre-sell. It's going to build that rapport. It's going to show people that you know your stuff, that you're an authority. They're going to be able to tell like, wow, this person really does understand my problem and she does have the answer. And then Mm -hmm. afterwards, you can sell to them. We just keep doing those, like just cycle, right? We get to decide what it looks like, what topic we want to cover, what we feel good about. Like we call the shots. We're in the driver's seat of our marketing. My Facebook group is called Market Like a Boss for that very reason, because Market Like a Boss means like we're in control of how we show up, right? We're not just sitting back waiting for the clients to pour in. It gets to look like however you want. 
because it's like you visualizing, okay, where exactly do I want to go with them? Yeah. And, and then from that point, how do I kind of get there? I from you more than once, by the way. So it's like, you can't tap your market if you're continually growing, right? That's where the G, the first stage is so important. But then if you're pre-selling and building relationships, I mean, some people may buy from you more than once and that's okay too. So I think that's where I don't worry too much about tapping my market. It doesn't mean that there aren't times where I need to be more focused on visibility and awareness and getting more people in. There are also times where I'm not as focused on that. I'm more focused on marketing and selling. So every business has a season and a phase too, just like life. Yeah, yeah, no. So when you're thinking of low versus medium versus high ticket to monetize, do you start off generally with low or do you go to medium or do you go to high or does it even matter? I just post about this. <laughs> I think it does matter because here's the thing. When you are first starting out and you don't have an audience, meaning you don't have an email list, you don't have people to sell to, you don't want to go with a low ticket thing where you need a hundred people to buy. Like, why would you do that? Right. And you're making sales harder than it has to be. And I think some people do that because they think, well, people are more likely to buy low ticket. Maybe yes, maybe no, though. I don't know that that's necessarily a fact. What I do know to be true is that it takes just as much effort to market a low ticket offer as it does high. So start with high. Even if it's just very personalized, right? And like depending on what the person needs and wants, because then you need fewer clients to make more money in your business. Yeah. While you're building an audience, while you're getting in front of more people, while you're getting more exposure, just more exposure and authority. Like it takes time. It doesn't just happen immediately. Like, hey, world, I started my business and now everybody knows who I am online. Right. So I would start high ticket. What I recommend to my clients is there's going to be a point where you are either seeing the writing on the wall when it comes to your capacity or you just don't want to keep serving clients one to one. Maybe you like the idea of a community type program, right? Where you have an ability to give people options if they can't work with mm-hmm. you high ticket, right? Like, or they're not a good fit. Like, hey, here's another option. I think that's that feels good for people, right? It allows you to also nurture the client like in a medium ticket offer to a high ticket. So you're increasing the lifetime value of a client, which means more money, no marketing involved. Okay, so if I were to break that down real quick. So I usually like, like lead them to that piece and recommend that piece, which is usually like a group program or some kind of group style thing, right? And then I would say low ticket is like a course, like a self-study course or something that like a membership, like something that doesn't require a lot of you is very... People use the word passive and I get it why they say passive income, but I don't think anything's passive. You still have to create the stuff. You still have to market it. You still have to sell it. You still have to take care of people. Like you can't just like sell a course and never like respond to anybody's questions or concerns, right? That's not good customer service. So I don't know if I would use the word passive income, but definitely low touch, low ticket, low touch, high ticket, high touch. And that's how I look at it. And so at that point, when you move there, you've built up credibility. You actually know a lot more about what what process your people take to get results because you've served clients high ticket. And then you've served them in a, in a medium-sized offer, which means you're learning more about, okay, like this is the framework. Like That's where you build out your frameworks. That's where you build out your process, which then you can then use for a self-study course where people don't need you to hold their hand because the process is established and it's proven. And then you have the audience to support selling those because you're going to need volume, right? A lot of people, in my opinion, do this backwards. And I'm not judging. Like if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But there's pros and cons to each. And I think it's important just to have all the information, right? Because a lot of coaches won't tell you this. Like it's like whatever they're marketing is what they think you should start with. And I just don't know. I do think there's a there's a process that makes sense for given where you're at in business. Yes, yes. And one of the things that I found that was super helpful for me when I got started was 
my high touch interaction actually informed so much of how I do what I did. Exactly. And when I went on sales calls, it was it made it even easier. Yes. I just yeah. talked to clients about this on a call <laughs> right before I got on this pod, this podcast interview. I'm loving it. <laughs> so literally, I I remember someone saying, "Oh my god, how did you know?" And I remember thinking Someone like you, like yesterday. Got on a lot of sales calls. I talked to a lot of people. I figured out how to sell, right? You're still figuring out how to sell. And I and and the thing about it is when you're very clear on kind of what the problem is, you're you identified sooner. So the questions that you ask are very tailored to the person. So the person not only feels like you know what you're doing, but they also feel like you understand. Yeah. And that understanding builds that bridge to an easier relationship when they become a client. And you're going to need to get on so many calls and talk to so many people and hear the problems they share and serve a lot of different clients. And some of them you'll hate serving, some of them you'll love, and you'll start to pick up on trends and patterns among the clients that you love. And that's what informs everything else you just said. And you cannot shortcut that work. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you come in as a sales master. Being a sales master outside of running a business is way different than selling yourself essentially as a service provider because that's what we're doing, right? And we have all sorts of thoughts about it. Like whose business doesn't feel like their own child, whether you have children or not. You know what I'm saying? So like you can't shortcut that process though. And a lot of people want to shortcut it. They want the shortcuts. I'm not saying that business always has to be hard, but like those shortcuts, like you don't want to take the shortcuts because then you wouldn't have the knowledge that you just said, right? That you got about, you know, how you teach it and, and what the framework is and what the process is. Like you won't, you can't just get that stuff out of thin air, not serving clients or getting on sales calls and being told no all the time. Because that's yeah. also how you learn to sell. And I think when we can go on a sales call, like if you're just starting out and you really need to get your feet wet, like you don't need to be selling low ticket. You need to be selling a high ticket that's flexible. One-to-one is flexible. Someone comes on and they say they need help with X, Y, and Z. You can be like, yeah, of course I'll help you with that. You can't do that if it's like a self-paced course that already has the content inside. And so that actually gives you options, which allows us to sell faster, make the money that we can then reinvest back into doing the other things. And it's like, if you follow that, you will get there, but you won't get there just trying to take the shortcut. A fast and, and quote unquote easy route that everybody likes to preach in the online world. It's just a bunch of BS. I'm sorry. It just is. It's true. It's true. You already knew I have like tough love. (laughs) You knew that's what I was going to bring to the end to the interview, but I just have to say it because I see people wasting time. And when you waste time on the wrong things, you're basically wasting money. And I don't want that for anybody. I really don't, you know, I'm going to be in control of signing clients and making money. And I feel like the best way for me to do that is to be honest and transparent. Yeah, no, and and this is and this is kind of the challenge that I think a lot of people have because there's always like a formula for this or yeah, like a yeah. process for this. But no two businesses are the same because you are not the same, yeah. especially when you do services. Services is going to be a combination of your experience, right, and a combination of what your skills are. Yeah. So if yeah. you're taking someone else's thing and you're trying to sell it in a sales conversation. It's, it is harder as much as you think it isn't and you have like a script, it is, it is much harder Yeah, yeah. because you, you haven't, yeah, you haven't experienced it. Correct. Correct. And you have, you don't always have the confidence, like, cause you're new to selling or whatever. I also just want to say this, like, can you come in as a business owner and start with a low ticket offer or start with a, a medium sized offer? Absolutely. You can just know that there is going to be a trade off and you have yeah. to have the right expectations. And, and the burn time, it, it's, uh, 
the burn time to get to the numbers that you need to reinvest in the business. Yes. It, it's Hopefully you're coming in with some money already. Like maybe, maybe making a certain amount of money is not a priority for you in the short term. So you can have more burn time. For some people, but I feel like in this in this time where people people are actively jumping out of corporate in order to do this, it usually is, you know, I have three to six months worth of money to carry not just the business expense, but my personal expense. And if you're going off at three to six months, by the time people even get to knowing what you do, it's probably six months. And that's not included all the other stuff for them to even want to buy from you. To start yeah. to some traction. Most people don't do it long enough. Yeah. yeah. I say that, but it's like, it's true. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> well, don't tell me that. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. I know you don't want to hear it. We always want to, we, we always want to solve a problem immediately, but if there's exactly. a problem, like, I actually think that what we're saying and the, the expectations we're setting here in this interview is really powerful because then people will know, actually, there's not a problem. This is realistic. This is what you can expect. And now I'm going to have more consistency because I think we get off track and we stop being consistent when we think I'm doing something wrong or I'm off track or I'm behind or there's a problem. Whereas if we normalize this, I think we actually will be more consistent and we'll reach that, that 90 day minimum faster. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Results yeah, later. And I think one of the important pieces when you, when you understand kind of what's going to happen or what could happen, like you search for resources that fill gaps. Cause a lot of times what I've, like one of the hurdles I ran into was there was a gap in terms of my own ability or my business owner to just go out there and market because I had blockage. Then I'll start looking for resources to help me to build a capability. So when I get to that state, it's easier for me to do a sales conversation. It's easier for me to identify certain things. So my own professional learning needs, I can address them in that moment as well. Because I know, okay, well, 90 days, I burnt it out. I don't see the response, but it also gives me a chance to to track and measure kind of how am I doing, how am my business doing, and what can I do to kind of improve it so that when the time comes, I'm ready for the volume. Yeah. So this has been really great, Michelle. So what are some of the tips? I know you gave a lot. What are some of the tips that you can share with the audience before we let you go? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's just going back to like, you do need to talk to people in some form, right? To obviously make sales. I think going back to like, do you believe in the thing you're selling, right? I think that belief and and speaking to not just like what the offer is, because I don't think people care as much about that, but like where it's going to get them, what the future is going to look like. I think that stuff is really important. It's actually more important than how many people you have in your audience, because you could have a big audience and not be doing those things and not making sales. Yeah. So I think that's another tip that I would offer. I think too, just keeping it simple. I see a lot of people like making marketing very complicated and selling very complicated by trying to sell a million different offers and do a million different things. Like honestly, I made my first six figures really truly with two offers, one main platform. My podcast was like a sub platform and I kept it very simple and that allowed me to stay focused. And so I would also just say like, how can you simplify things? You don't need to do everything at once. You don't need to be on every platform at once. I know we live in a world where everybody is talking about instant success, overnight success, and doing all the things. You don't need to. In fact, how can you stay the course and simplify? Because I think that's always going to bring you more revenue. Okay. So where can people find you to learn more? Yeah. The best place to connect with me is inside of my Facebook group, Market Like a Boss. Right now, I am hosting a 30 Days to New Clients Challenge where I'm just sharing like tips every day for how you can sign clients and just different ways to think about marketing. 
So there's a ton of great resources in there. It's just an awesome kind of value-packed community and would love to have you. Yes. So I can vouch for that because I've been in her community. So she does share quite a lot. So if you are definitely interested in staying connected with Michelle, really go into her Facebook group. She is pretty consistent and she does practice what she preaches. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Scale to Grow podcast. To work with us or access free resources, head over to www.concaveservices.com. And don't forget to leave us a review. See you on the next episode.